You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to be here with you today. We welcome everybody watching at home online or maybe even now or later on down the road. And as we already said, but just in case you're just now tuning in, we also wanna welcome New Living Bible Church with us today. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Give us a nice warm welcome to New Living Bible Church. Yeah. So uh, we are beginning this series, a uh, four-week series on elephants in the church. And um, the elephant portion is like, you ever been in a place and you say, there's an elephant in the room? That's the whole idea behind the analogy here. And so we're just trying to deal with topics that a lot of churches would rather avoid because they're hard. And we made a commitment years ago as a church, we're going to talk about the things that are important to God. We think these four topics are really important to God, and we don't want to avoid any of that. So what we want to do is come under the Word of God, surrender our hearts, submit our lives, open up His Word, and see what He has for us today. So before we go any further, what I want to do is just focus our hearts and our minds on prayer and ask God, invite God to speak to us today. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, our world is divided, and not just our world, but our nation. And it's not just over racism, it's over so many issues, but not here. In your church, this is supposed to be the one place, Father, where everybody comes together in unity and in love and worships you and celebrates you and the life you bring us. Today, God, we come to you. We ask you to open our hearts, open our minds. God, break our stubborn, selfish will and get us to surrender to you. Father, I pray that you would speak any idea or illustration that you have planned that I didn't. May it come forth and anything that's from me or my flesh, take it away. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm gonna use a series of words to kind of help guide us today. I have a lot of notes. So if you're using our app, I actually had to cut those notes into about a third to even come close to hitting my time mark. And I'm gonna be talking really fast to get through all these. So for those of you who are visiting with us, I always talk fast. This is like double that speed. And so I'm just asking for a lot of grace this morning, all right? First word I'm gonna use this morning is the word learn, the word learn. And what I mean by the word learn is I wanna take a look at what the Bible says about race. This isn't about racism, this is about race. We're gonna build to where racism came from, but we gotta start somewhere. Let's take a look. This is a sermon that Paul preached, and uh, he's speaking publicly. He's trying to win people to God through the name of Jesus. And literally in Acts 17, he says this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Now stop there for a second. This isn't actually my notes. It's a little extra. You're like, pastor, you're gonna go long if you add extra. I know, but I can't help myself sometimes. But you need to know this. Everything you have is a gift from God. It's not about how hard you've worked. Don't get me wrong. I know almost all of you have worked very hard to get where you are. But have you ever thought for a minute, like, why was I born into the family that I was born into? Into the county or the community or even the country that I was born into? And there are many people all over the world who work very, very hard and maybe even more hours, more effort than you do and don't have those same advantages. And you should never hear that and feel guilty. You should hear that and feel responsible. Where Paul is letting all of us know, hey, just stop for a minute, give gratitude to the place where it came from. Everything, everything is from him. And he would also say in another place, and for him and by him, and it's through him we live and move and have our being. But he says in verse 26, from one man he made all the nations so that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God has placed you in your family, in your community, in your school, in your job, in your town for one very specific reason, and that is to reach out and find God. But to find God doesn't mean that God would just become your own personal Lord and Savior. We often say that in the waters of baptism. It's supposed to be that God is drawing people to himself to build something out of those people. When we find God, we find the mission of God as well. 
Well, Paul, the guy who said this, he is a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's like the best of the best. He studies the Bible. He knows it really well. And what he's telling you comes right out of Genesis in the very, very beginning. In the very beginning, as God made the world, and he put the stars in their place. He, put the, he, fill, he made the oceans and he filled the oceans with animals and he made the land and he filled the land with animals. He made the sky, he filled the sky with animals. That's basically the Genesis creation story. And then he finally gets to the point where he makes human beings. And it says something very special there. Let's take a look. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says this. So God created mankind. That's everybody. It means no offense to any of our ladies in the room. It's a generic phrase, mankind, all people, man, woman, old, young. And he created them, how? In his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God is our creator, and he did something special. So I don't care what the world says. And if you're visiting with us today, I'm so sorry to just kind of blow your mind for a minute. But listen, you weren't made in the image of an ape. You weren't made in the image of anything else. You were made in the image of God. And that means something. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's read verse 28. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave him authority and responsibility on his earth. Let me read one more passage out of Genesis before I make a summary statement that'll help understand why I've covered what I've covered so far. In Genesis chapter two, verse 25, it says, as Adam and Eve come together and God makes Eve out of Adam, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, these things are all powerful. So if you're visiting with us today, this is kind of like Christianity 101. This is basic foundational stuff. If you've been at Kingsway for a long time, you know I quote these passages over and over and over and over and over again, because this is where we go back to to understand what God meant for it to look like originally. So here we are. In the creation story, we learn five things. We actually learn a whole lot of things I'm going to talk about throughout the series, but we learn five things I'm going to point out and do it very quickly. This will be like you're in school again. So hopefully you're taking notes or downloaded our app. Either way, all right. The vast variety of God's creation, reveals his creativity, his beauty, and his desire to reveal his goodness through uniquely special variety. Notice there's not only one bird. Notice there's not only one insect. Notice there's not only one kind of animal. Notice the vast variety. And not only that, that as you go down to the kingdom phylum class, order, family, genus, species, I think I said that right, be impressed. I have little kids. We're homeschooling. It's e-learning. As you go down that, you see that in the beginning, God created something that actually could multiply and become even more diverse as his creation grew and spread. That was the intention all along. But the second thing we learn is all nations come from God's divine choice to create the first two people, Adam and Eve. And then the third thing we learn is since all people come from the first two people, all people, regardless of color, nation, language, or physical traits are image bearers. The word image bearer in the Latin is the word imago Dei, image of God, imago Dei. It comes from almighty God. Listen, I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think it's suicide month. And let me just say, if you are somebody out there who is in any way contemplated suicide, let me just add today, you are special. You may not feel it, Whatever life has brought you to this situation, it may not feel real right now, but you are made in his image and adored by him. We'll come back to why I'm saying all these things, but number four, number four, God desires for all people to be blessed by enjoying the partnership with him and the blessings of life, creation, marriage, children. And I know some of those things don't always feel like blessings, but work, <laughs> Ruling and leading, family, worship, and ultimately the glory of God and all these things. And the list could go on and on and on. But all of these things were good gifts created by a good God to his special creation, those made in his image, so that you could know and experience his goodness on a regular basis. And then the last thing I'll say, and I get this one right out of Genesis 2, 20, 2, 25 there. In the beginning, Adam and Eve felt safe, beautiful, loved and specially created by God. They were naked and had no shame. Here's my conclusion of this first section, just so you understand, like, why in the world are we talking about all this, Pastor? What's any of this have to do with racism? Here's my conclusion. Christians, and if you call yourself a Christian, you identify with Jesus Christ, you should be very concerned and involved in treating all people equally, fairly, and justly. 
In the beginning, before sin wrecked everything, that was the way that it was. In the beginning, before sin ruined the picture, ruined the image, so to speak, marred it, there was safety and love and provision. It wasn't until sin entered the picture that everything went sideways, and it did real fast. It didn't take long before people started killing each other, and people are mean and harsh to each other. In fact, we get just briefly into the story, and God has got to figure out like, how to start the whole thing over, and he reboots creation with Noah and his family. In Genesis chapter six, we kind of see this beginning. So now every nation can tie back to Adam and Eve, but not only that, but now every nation can tie back specifically to Noah and his family. But God wiped, like in baptism, he wiped sin off the earth and then he starts over again with a new family. But it doesn't take long and things keep going sideways again. See, if you read the Genesis story, what you see is God is constantly trying to curb evil, curb sin, and bring things back into a right place with him. We get to Genesis chapter 11, and it says this. Now, what's going on in Genesis 11? I should set this up in case you don't know. You can leave it up there. But in Genesis 11, the nations of the earth have gathered together, and their plot is they're going to make a name for themselves. They're no longer worried about the name of God, the image of God becoming great on the earth. They're now concerned about making their name great, and that's what sin does. Sin gets obsessed with self. Sin gets obsessed with power. Sin gets obsessed with wealth. Sin gets obsessed with pleasure. Sin gets obsessed with whatever makes me happy, and that's what's happening in Genesis Genesis 11. So God does something. It says in Genesis 11, verse 8, so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So while everybody came from Adam and Eve, and then everybody came from Noah, in this moment now, everybody becomes broken up, broken up by language, broken up by uh, culture, And the more the groups were broke up, the more they became like each other. And all of a sudden, we have a world that is diverse but doesn't know how to be unified anymore. But that was from God. That was not the end game. It was a way for God to curb things until a better answer came along. Now, two things I want you to take away from this. Again, there are many, many more, but two things I want to highlight. Number one, God separates people by languages, causing them to scatter over the earth. God did that. But then number two, from this point in history, the differences between the nations combined with the sin in the human heart become the very things that separate and divide us. And from this moment forward, all of a sudden, our differences become the problem. Here's my conclusion for you, ready? That wasn't what God wanted. God intended for our differences to display his beauty and creativity. With sin so rampant and all-inclusive, everybody in here is marred by it, Our differences instead became the way that we view and treat each other. And this became the root of racism. God curbing our sin along with the sin in our hearts became the thing that is so evil and prevalent all over the earth today. Now, remember? In the beginning, God made them Adam and Eve. For those of you who aren't sure what I'm about to say is accurate, Answers in Genesis has some phenomenal videos on this, an extremely conservative Christian ministry. And Answers in Genesis says, look, it is almost guaranteed that Adam and Eve were brown. Let that sink in for a minute. Because from brown, within one generation, you can have a diversity of every single color from extremely dark to extremely white. See, in the original creation, God's earth teemed with the beauty of diversity. None more obvious than with humans. Some are tall, some are short, some are good at building, some good at art or music, some at math or medicine. We got some pictures to help reflect this for you. Some have strong bodies, some skinnier, some red hair, some black hair, some blonde hair, some brown hair, some color their hair. Just saying. (laughs) You got some pictures for me up there? There we go. Some have blue eyes, some brown eyes, some green, or a combination of many of these. Perhaps nothing more than skin color or language distinguish the noticeable differences between these groups. Some have very dark brown skin, and others have very light brown skin. However, all of them are variations of brown. There is no truly white or truly black person, only variations of brown skin. And I know that's blowing some of your minds. Adam and Eve were almost guaranteed to be brown. About five years or so ago, I went to speak at a camp 
with a bunch of teenagers. And we talk about this a lot in my home. And so um, one of my sons, they were all outside playing, and, and, and one of my sons was sitting there, and all of a sudden, this very dark-skinned teenage guy walked by. And my son goes, Mommy, look at his skin. Yeah, that didn't go over real well. Um, this young man turned around and you could see the, the anger in his face. My wife quickly jumped up. She's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We talk all the time in our home about how beautiful skin is and, and how, how there's different varieties. And he's just never seen somebody who's very dark. And my wife took my son over and, and she's like talking about it. And you could see he was like real standoffish. He didn't know what to think at first. And he walked away and my wife was real anxious. Like, oh man, I sure hope we didn't offend this young man. It was really cool over the next three or four days to see as he would walk by my son, like this slow connection start to happen between them. My son was just curious. He'd heard us talk about it, but he didn't know what it actually looked like or felt like. But it left me wondering a lot of things. But for instance, it left me wondering, why was this beautiful young man so sensitive to the color of his skin? It almost appeared to me that he had shame about it. Not necessarily internally that he didn't think he was beautiful, but somebody just pointing out his skin color made him feel not enough or like he didn't fit in. I wondered, has the difference of the color of his skin been used to hurt him or to mock him? So I want to transition from learning what the Bible says to my second word, and that is listen. Listen. What I mean by listen is listen to what others are saying. As things started kind of getting crazy in our world over the last six months, I reached out to a number of friends, a number of people. Some of them I kind of met or heard about, literally ran into Narelle at, at a Starbucks. One day we were passing and we had a common friend in town, another pastor, and he introduced us and that was it. But I just started reaching out and saying, look, I don't know what I don't know. Can you help me? So over the last six months, I've read a ton of books. I've listened to sermons. I've read articles. But I started with this place of saying, I don't know what I don't know. Can you help me understand? There are guys like, Vadi Bachman, Tim Keller, John Piper, and Pete Scazzaro. They've been very, very helpful to me. I think we have a picture of these gentlemen. All of these guys are conservative Christian pastors who care deeply and speak deeply on this subject. We actually have a website, kingswaychurch.org, backslash the dash loop. You can find it here. We've listed a ton of resources, books, sermons, articles. In fact, we actually filmed and recorded a video with myself and some local pastors who've experienced this and talked about it openly. We encourage you, go online and watch the content. But here's the thing, as we're learning to listen, when I was 13 years old, uh, I took judo and taekwondo. Don't worry, it only lasted about a year and I'm not very good. Don't mess with me, but I'm not very good, all right? But my sensei, Master Kilasun Park, he used to say, ignorance is curable, but stupid is forever. <laughs> Let that one sink in for a minute. I think he meant it as an encouragement. <laughs> but the reason that I say that is uh, I was ignorant. Okay, nobody's calling me ignorant but me. So you don't need to feel a defense of your pastor because I know you love me. Those of you watching at home, you don't send an email to anybody except for me. I'm calling me ignorant because the word ignorant literally just means you don't know the facts. You don't have knowledge about a subject. So it takes humility to say, I don't know what I don't know, so help me understand. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So what I want to do over the next few minutes is I just want to reveal to you some things that I've learned. You may know all of these and more. You may have some alternative fact that counter, counteracts something that I've said. That's fine. Let's have a conversation. In the book of Isaiah, God says to Israel, come, let's reason together. It's okay for people to get together and try to reason together. Just recently, I was talking to a pastor, uh, actually, I should say Christian leader from another town. He doesn't even go here. And I was telling him about this series, and he said, man, you're blessed to be able to have some black brothers or sisters to sit down with and ask these questions. He goes, I'd give anything, because I've got questions in my head, but I don't know where to go. And I feel like if I did say them, people would think I'm an idiot, or I'm a racist, or I'm mean. And listen, nobody wins when we start name-calling. But it starts with humility of saying, I don't know what I don't know. Here's some things I learned, maybe or maybe not be helpful. First thing I learned is uh, God gave me two ears and one mouth. I should probably use them proportionately. James chapter 119 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and say this one with me, everybody together. Slow to become angry. Man, you'd almost think that James put that in the Bible for a reason. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing slaves. However, 
And in slavery by another name, a gentleman named Douglas Blackman of the Wall Street Journal, he argues that slavery didn't actually end then. Instead, it began an 80-year age of neo-slavery. And the way this looked, it's not all the ways, but one way that it looked was that many of those who are now free, a law was passed in southern states saying if you didn't have a job, you could be arrested. So many of those who were set free as slaves, didn't have jobs, got arrested, and were put right back onto the plantations or in mines to work, effectively making them now prisoners, but basically slaves again. Did you know that? I didn't. How about this one? There was something called 40 acres and a mule. Basically, the, some slaves in certain states and areas were given 40 acres and a mule, so now they could start their new life. But Andrew Johnson, who was right after Abraham Lincoln, he was uh, more favorable to the South. So he returned the land along the South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida coast three years later to the planters who had originally owned it. it essentially, just realize this, the very people who were going to war against the United States of America were given back the very land that they, was taken away from them to help these slaves. I don't know if you know this one, but there are 3,959 documented lynchings of black people in 12 southern states between the end of Reconstruction in 1877 and 1950. This picture right here actually is from Alabama, and each of these represents one of them. Many of these uh, lynchings happen for things as simple as a black man speaking to a white woman. Let that sink in for a second, please. 1950, 70 years ago, guys. I have a family member who's in their 60s who says one time they were laughing and joking with a black friend and they said something funny and she reached out and touched him on the arm. This is obviously a few years ago now. And he quickly pulled away and said, don't touch me. And then he said, do you want me to be killed? And as I'm talking about this sermon, she tells me that story. She says, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, no way. But did you know that was part of our history? I didn't. There's a lot of things I didn't know. I've heard the phrase Jim Crow laws. I didn't know what it was. I had to go look it up. I've heard about redlining. I didn't know what it was. I had to go look it up. Maybe you don't either. Maybe you should. I've heard of slavery. I knew it was evil and tragic, but it was in the past. It's a new day. At least that's what I thought. There are phrases like mulatto. Generally came from Irish slaves and African slaves in America who are favorable to each other because they had similar experiences but then had children who were mixed. And the phrase mulatto was used to mock them and put them in their place. In fact, it became used by Irish people who didn't believe in that way and actually would use it against their own people to separate themselves from those other people. Then there's the word Niger. That's the Latin word for Black. And I dare not even try to say the way that word has been twisted over the last couple hundred years. And let me just say to all of my brothers and sisters in the room, please never say that word again. I was in a conversation recently with somebody from our church and they used that word and I was floored. I didn't know what to say. It took me about 20 minutes into the conversation to come back and say to my brother, please, for the love of God, never use that word again. James 3, 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in his likeness. Listen, it's okay to not know how to feel right now. One author actually calls it white trauma. We don't know, we don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. Everybody I talk to about this sermon goes, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? Listen, there's no magic wand. When I ask all of my brothers and sisters of all nationalities, what do we do? They all go, we probably should start with love. But I find myself asking questions like this. Why are black baby dolls, actors, musicians, doctors, and presidents so important to black people? Why is the coronavirus killing more non-whites than whites? Go look it up. 
Why is white family wealth, at least in 2016, seven times greater than black family wealth and five times greater than Hispanic family wealth? If anything in you is getting defensive or frustrated, please, if you know me at all, you know I love you. You know that. I've sacrificed so much because I love you. And I'm only asking that you give me a chance to speak some of these things into being because at some point, the truth sets us free. We have to understand what has happened to understand where we are. And before you so quickly dismiss anything that I've said is that's the past, that's the past, that's the past. Listen, it was only in the late 1960s, 50 to mid 50 years ago, that it was illegal for a black man and a white woman to get married. It was within the last 30 to 40 years that Brownsburg, Indiana, stopped being a sundown town. A sundown town means if you are black, you better get out of here before the sun goes down or there will be consequences. I have friends who live in this community who say they remember the signs. Consequently, we have a nation that is severely broken and divided often around color, culture, and language. The things created by God to display his beauty and his majesty and his image bearers are the very things that now divide us. And my brothers, my sisters, this should not be. So I'm gonna get to one more word, and that is life. We all, black, brown, white, and every color in between you could think of, we all have a desperate need for a savior who could bring us new life and a king who can rule over us because it's not any of the candidates running for president. And that's not a knock on any of them. They need Jesus too. But we need a new king. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so from now on, listen, I encourage you to join Paul in this. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't even look at the world the way the world looks at the world. That's what he's saying. We look at the world with new eyes, fresh eyes. Though we once regarded Jesus Christ even in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all of this is from God who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus Christ, God is bringing you and he's bringing me to himself. And in Jesus Christ, he's bringing the nations back together again. In Jesus Christ, whatever your language, whatever your color, whatever your culture, whatever it is, becomes irrelevant because in here, in this place, is the place where you are supposed to feel loved and accepted and safe and secure and adored and special the way that God always intended for it to be. Yeah, praise God. And right now, I want to invite my pastor, my friend, Narelle Taylor up here. Narelle, if you'd come up here. Yeah. Narelle is one of the first people I reached out to and said, help me understand what I don't understand. And he loved me. He's been gracious with me. He's taken my questions. He's helped me understand things. But the most powerful thing that pastor did is we sat there one day. He painted the picture for me for his church. And we have some of his church here. He painted the picture for me for his church. And then when I got to write this sermon, I said, pastor, would you come and share that vision, that vision for your church with my church? Because I want them to see scriptures the way you're seeing them right now. So sit back, buckle in, because you're in for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, give give Matt another hand clap of praise, man. Wow. Wow. Well, Matt took up all the time. So. <clears throat> we'll be as brief as possible. Let me just ask God's blessing on the portion I want to share. Um. Matt, my heart is heavy because the, the humility uh, that you displayed for us today uh, is remarkable. Uh, and I commend you and thank God for you. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would take the words of my mouth, that they would become as fire, that your people will become as wood, that they may be consumed, convicted, challenged, changed, Lord, and ultimately converted unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said amen. Amen, amen. Well, look, Matt, Matt has informed us of the data, 
and the doctrine around this dire dilemma slash disease that's destroying our nation. Ladies and gentlemen, racism is real. It's alive, it's breathing in our nation and even in our churches. The church must take responsibility for our current state and address the issues biblically and honestly if we want to experience real change individually and corporately. Dr. Tony Evans suggested we, won't, we, won't, we wouldn't have racial divide um, if it wasn't for the church. It is the cause. Many of you didn't know that, but the church was supposed to look at the biblical imprint of the word of God and change a society. But he also says, here's the good news today, that it is also the cure for racial divide, creating havoc in our society. Y'all should have shouted right there. <laughs> because the text says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, therefore, there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, somebody say anyone, I love what my man Dr. Charles Ware says, red, yellow, black, or white, we all precious in his sight. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, you can see it, all things have become new. All things have become new. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God celebrates diversity and God creates unity. It's not either or, it's both and. Here's the thing, my, my man Lecrae, hip-hop artist, African-American, he says, if you want unity, then read a eulogy. Kill the powers that exist up over you and under me. He says, he says if you want unity, read a eulogy. Kill the powers that exist up under you and over me. These lyrics are data-driven. Literally what he's saying, and, and buckle up, he's saying that uh, there is a power systemically that it exists for you, but there's a power that exists that's against me. The former first lady, M Michelle Obama, said um, what's really funny. She said, I woke up in a house built by slaves. Think about that for a moment. It took this long to empower a person of color in this country. It wasn't until 2008 there was a person of color smart enough, professional enough to take the highest office in the land. I don't really know what smart enough and professional enough is anymore, but I digress. <laughs> I praise God for our progress in our nation the policies that have reshaped our country. I see it. I live in Avon now. Um, I, I remember wrestling in 2000 and, and, I mean, 1992 wrestling, and uh, I was called the N-word while wrestling at Avon High School. Now my sons, three of them, graduated from Avon High School, and I live right around the corner from the school. So I see the progression, but I'm disappointed in our progress as a local church. We were called to be salt and light in this perverse generation. Y'all should have said amen. However, it seems once again like the culture is informing the church. Paul said, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so Paul wrote this in antiquity, but it should fit in modernity. Uh, it should fit in modern day times that Paul says, how in the world is the church still being informed by the culture? The culture gets black lives matter. They're not, there's no room for debate for peremptory, no room for debate or discussion. They're not arguing about that. They say black lives matter. We see it now, but the church is still fighting over the, what the culture has already said yes and amen to. Why is the culture informing the church? The church is the cure for this cancer called racism. We have been given 
a God-given, watch this, supernatural ability to reconcile humanity back to God. The gospel is the answer, the ye on Galeon, the, the gospel that Jesus died, God raised him from the dead, and the early preacher said they crucified him on Saturday. He laid in the grave on Saturday, watch this, but early Sunday morning he got up with all, you see that little leg went up, with all power in his hand. That's how the old school black preacher would do it. The church, Matt, is the answer for the racial divide in our country. Chip Ingram declared the nation can only refrain evil, but the church is designed and called to make disciples of optimal word, all nations, who will invade a culture and create a thirst for God. Thank you, Matt. Stay thirsty, my friend. Now, my wife and I, um, we, we are frugal financially, and um, I'll get into a few passages, but I just want to give y'all this story. Me and my wife are frugal financially. So some of y'all ain't as wise as us. And so we go to movies frequently, and um, my wife takes a big purse in. <laughs> some of y'all ain't wise like that. That's cool and frugal. Uh, and she takes a big purse in, and uh, we didn't steal nothing. Um, we, we bought it, we, but we took it in with us, and uh, we eat out of the purse. Amen. And, uh, and this, is the re- this is the reason why. It's just wisdom. It's just wisdom. This is the reason why. Because they sell something at the concession stand. And I check, normally the tickets are $10 and the popcorn is $20. Wait a minute. Here it is. Hold on. So the, the tickets are 10 the popcorn is 20 But they put something on the popcorn. They put salt on the popcorn. You know what the salt does? The salt creates a thirst. Right? Now you gotta buy the $30 drink. So salt is designed to create a thirst. How much more is that word poignant and penetrating for us this morning that he said the church is to be salt and light. We are to create a thirst for God by the way we live amongst one another. But the world ain't thirsty because we don't look like nothing. We are the cure. Here it is, according to Jesus, according to the Apostle Paul, the gospel globe trotter, bald-headed, bow-legged, blind Jew, gospel globe trotter, the Apostle Paul, and according to the Revelator John. I'm just going to do a few passages. I'm out your way. Give me like two minutes on each one, maybe five. I don't know. I'm going to be out of here in a minute. Here it is. Watch this. Here it is, watch this. Um, look right here at John 17, 20, 21. It's a blessing when you really look at this passage thoroughly and expositionally. Because you have to ask this question when you look at this text, why does Christ pray so fervently for future followers to be completely united as one? Watch this. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. This is Jesus. Uh, John the Revelator is writing what Jesus is saying here in his high priestly prayer. Look at what he says. I do not ask. This is Jesus asking and praying that this happens on behalf of these alone, the folk that are listening to me right now in antiquity. But he says, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So the apostles were spread out, Acts 1 and 8, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other parts of the earth. Watch this. And he said, the ones that would hear their words, the folk in Europe, Philippi, all these folk throughout Macedonia, modern day Turkey, that they may be one even as you, Father, and in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, oneness and unity. Here is the hint of clause. It says, so that, I could almost run across the state. Listen, he says, so that the world cosmos may believe that you sent me. That hint of clause is suggesting, watch this, that if they don't do the first part, the world won't believe that you sent me. So if they're not one, the world won't believe you sent me. I'm, a matter of fact, y'all, if we would lift out fat, we wouldn't need the nation of Islam. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be a black church. Y'all not helping me if we would have lived this out in the first place. Matter of fact, we're living backwards. 
That's why the church, if we would have lived this out at first, you wouldn't even have slaves. Are y'all hearing what I just said? If we would have read Genesis and said, they're made in the Imago Day too. They're in the image of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Matter of fact, not only, watch this, this this is it. I, I just got a few points, I'm done. So right here is the prayer and the plan of God that he prays that we would be one just as him and the Father are and that if we did that, the world would believe that there is a distinction from all other religions, that this religion will bring black folk, white folk, Hispanic folk, African folk into one locale, right, in a space that we would fight for unity. This is what he's praying for, that people could look and see. Like you can't see the black church and the white church and the Hispanic church um, you, can't, you can see them separately, but that's no, there's no power in that. And later for geographical excuses, America has been globalized now. The globalization of America, they around the corner. Somebody say amen. amen. Why is it, let me just say this, this for free, it ain't gonna cost you nothing. Why is it that all of us work in a diverse context? We live in diverse neighborhoods now, but we come to a homogenous space. We have, from Monday through Saturday, lived in reality, and Sunday we disconnect and go to something that's not real. Somebody say, ouch, I know that hurt right there. I didn't even mean that. That was in there. That wasn't even in my notes. I'm sorry. So watch this. His prayer leads to his plan, but lastly, watch this. Here's good news. His peace. Ephesians 2.13. Watch this. Um, he says, but now. Ugh. Y'all might turn my mic down a little bit. Watch this, because I'm about to scream. But now. Look, this is really crazy right here, Matt. Um, but now, like not later, right now. It's almost like what the church waiting on. This is, this is antiquity. Paul writing this in the first century, but now in Christ, Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near, watch this, by the blood of Christ. For he himself, watch this, is our peace. He made both groups into one broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. I don't want you to miss, I, I don't want y'all to miss this. Um, I don't want you to miss this. Um, you, you can't run too fast with this because contextually, the apostle Paul was called to reach the Gentiles. He was called to reach people who were not Jewish. He was literally called on mission to progressively reveal the mystery of the gospel that Jews and Gentiles actually have equality in Christ. That, can I, can I modernize it? That white folk and black folk are equal. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you serious? We equal? Because scientists, they study brain stuff, culture once again. Um, they said uh, black folk are, are dumb, lazy, don't learn, all that. Um, uh, no, th th this is what's going on. They just lazy. That's why you have $10,000 a year per family for black families and 100000 a year that the earnings for a white family because black folk are just lazy. But Paul said, no, the, the, the peace has been established, but y'all are the ones creating the dividing walls. You don't like my style of preaching, you don't like the music I like, you don't dress like I like, we've created barriers to create spaces of homogenousness, if you will, and we eliminate the people we say we would love for you to come. But this ain't a space for everybody. Somebody say amen. So watch this, by the blood of Christ, his propitiation, his sacrifice, has destroyed our separation. You hear what I just said? His sacrifice has destroyed the separation we're creating. I love what my man, Pastor Rashad Cuttingham said, our job is to build bridges and to break down barriers. Yes. We need to build bridges and break down barriers. Yes. Pastor Matt alluded to it a little bit. We need to listen, learn, lament, love, and lead others down the path. We don't need to lecture. Can I say that again? Here it is. If y'all get anything today, listen. You need to listen. You need to learn, you need to lament, 
The Bible says, when I weep, you weep. If I'm broken, you're broken. And, and, and if you don't know this today, African-American people, black and brown people in this country are still suffering. Christian folk, your brothers and sisters that you're going to spend eternity with, but we can't get past the color of their skin. It's our job to listen, to learn, and to lament and love and lead others, not lecture. James 1.19. Thank you. But here it is. I'm rolling. Um, It's his prayer, his plan, and his peace that's going to conquer this thing. But lastly, watch this. Um, It's his power. Hmm. Okay. Um, This is a supernatural work. It's natural for us to homogeneously come together. Black, come to black. White, come to white. Birds of a feather flock together. Right? You want to grow a church? Just reach the same type of group of people so when they come together, it will be less tension. But guess what will happen? You won't grow. You won't be challenged. You won't get to where God wants you to, the height, the width, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And he says right here, Ephesians, watch this. Not only this, remember, this is Apostle Paul. I didn't make this up. I, this ain't me. I, I didn't, this is what Paul said. I didn't, he said, there it again. There it is. Say this with me. Say now. now. Ugh. Okay. Now. now. Yeah, to him. Y'all know who the him is. Can I preach? Um, the lily in the valley, the bright morning star, the bridge over troubled water, the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. Somebody shout Jesus, who is able, not you, to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Here's the shout. According to the power that works within us. It's supernatural. Say somebody supernatural. In order for black folk, white folk, Hispanic folk, African folk to come together in a locale, y'all, that's supernatural. And it's actually the prayer and the plan of Jesus. It's the peace that's been established. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings us together and we fight for unity under the bond of peace. Why? Because we have this power that's working with us and watch what happens to him be the glory in the universal church. No, he says to him be the glory in the church. Paul is writing to local churches, y'all. He, this is not a hypothetical universal church that we all going to be one universally. The white church, we won. The black church, we won. Hispanic church, we won. We all love Jesus. But y'all can't come together over music? Y'all can't come together because the black preacher be yelling and stuff? Watch this, in the church, watch this, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, somebody shout amen. Amen. I'm rolling out of here, man. Our local churches, I'm done. I think I'm on good time. Our local churches must reflect heaven. I I, I truly believe that. Um, That's Paul's whole mission. That's what Jesus prayed. A church that includes all people with equal rights and favor in the sight of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? A church that celebrates diversity and demands unity at the same time. A church that doesn't demand that you assimilate into its culture, but a church that accommodates the people who will come through the door. And matter of fact, they're intentionally setting up a service and a ministry expecting Africans, expecting black folk, white, they expecting Hispanics to walk through the door. A church that creates a space of opportunity for all people. Pastor Matt, shut up and preach. <laughs> Pastor Norrell, shut up and preach the gospel. That's what I'm about to do. Okay, what is the gospel? What are the implications of the good news? Watch this. What happens to a community and a nation and the world when the gospel is declared and demonstrated? Heaven is manifested here on earth because of the gospel. 
We joyfully become last and allow others to be first because of the gospel. We speak against slander and gossip because of the gospel. We fight for oneness in the church because of the gospel. Here it is. We fight for justice. It's not political. It's biblical. For the least, the lonely, and the left out because of the gospel. We intentionally, watch this, pursue diverse relationships because of the gospel. And guess what happens? We see his picture. Look at what it says in Revelation. I'm done. Here it is. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one can count from every nation, ethnos, ethnicity, and all tribes and people and tongues standing before the throne. Um, this, this is an actual location. This is not universal. This is local. <laughs> They're actually going to be around the throne together. Y'all just hear what I just said. Okay. Standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. Y'all, that's eschatological. But God needs us to see this eschatentially. Right now, noun unto him. Songwriter says, I'm done, declares the implication of the gospel message. King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting high. Your glory, shaking up the earth and skies. Revival, we want to see your kingdom here. We want to see your kingdom here. Spirit, break out. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down. Pray with me. Father, we thank you. We magnify you for this great opportunity to walk through your word. Thank you for the data that should inform our decisions. God, thank you for the attentiveness of your people. God, there were tough truths exposed. But God, we pray that our hearts would be tender and sensitive to what you have for us today. We give you glory. We give you praise. Help us to build bridges, to break down barriers, to walk in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. All God's people said, amen.